You know, there's uh, so much going on around us, and, and I started this series called Why, and uh, you know, if you've ever done much in, in teaching or preaching, sometimes you stop and wonder, well, why did you start that? <laughs> so, uh, but, but as we progress forward, I, I see the, the Holy Spirit speaking something to us that's going to equip us and to strengthen us and to help us uh, on this, uh, this particular part of the journey that we're on. Um, and, and I believe and hopefully that this series will help us to navigate through this season, through this challenging, uh, what we call a crisis season. Or, uh, uh, and and I, I do want to remind you that it's only a crisis on earth. It's not a crisis in heaven. Okay? I just want to remind you of that. That's why I said sometimes you have to look up because your salvation draws near. And, uh, and that we begin to remember that. And I started with part one, and I said, Why do the heathen, heathen rage and they plot a vain uh, thing against us? And, and, and you know, we, uh, we, we read in Psalms 2 where he talks about that, and that. And that's why probably a believer shouldn't be surprised that things are happening like they're happening. We shouldn't be, oh, my, I would have never guessed that in America. You know, we shouldn't be surprised about what's happening, uh, but we certainly need to be prepared and ready for what's happening. And, 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 I, and I hope that we can be there a little bit further this morning as we go through this. And the second part of this was uh, the uh, why we pray. Last week was why we pray. Because I said prayer changes the heart and the actions of God. And I gave you several illustrations of that. And and, and I believe that you need to know that. I need to know that so that as I see stuff around me, that I can literally believe that God has given me the authority and the power to make a difference and to do something about it. And I just believe that, unfortunately, a large portion of the body of Christ doesn't believe that. They think we're just to hold on until the end comes or, you know, the, the, the white knuckle club. I'm just going to hang on there until this gets passed. I say we make a difference with it. And, and I think that's what God is graciously calling us up to. And we know that prayer also releases the power of God. There's nothing greater than you can do than pray. There's nothing greater than you can do. Now, it doesn't stop there, but it always should start there. Lord, I want to pray. I want to seek your face. I want to get the instructions from you each and every day as to what's going to happen. What do you want to do? I don't want to get caught off guard today, but Holy Spirit, I want to be ready to be used in life circumstances when you need me. I want to be equipped for that. I want to be ready for that. Because God called you with a purpose. He created you with a purpose. All of your talents and skills and makeup and personality is with a purpose. And your Heavenly Father looks down and, 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 and there's nothing greater than seeing your kids fulfill their purpose. It's just a, something exciting about that. God gets excited about seeing you do that. Uh, he, he doesn't get you, he doesn't get excited seeing you walk around sucking your thumb. That was really a nice statement. I said that really nice. But he really doesn't. Uh, which kind of reminds me, I remember... For whatever reason, and I probably shouldn't say this, but I will. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I hate, uh, yeah, I probably really shouldn't say this. I don't like it when kids suck their thumbs, okay? And I can remember constantly taking my kid's hand, hand pulling it down, pulling it down, pulling it down until they finally quit putting it in there. 
And we had a little deal going with the small group that had babies the same time we did. And, and, uh, and they also knew how I felt about those little binky things, okay? Now, it's just me. There's nothing wrong with them, okay? But I, know, I didn't like those either, you know, especially when they were five and six and still wanting them. Uh, okay, right? Come on. Work with me on this one. And, and so they, I remember we, we got one and we passed it around to each other constantly. It just went from one person to the next person. There were about five of us, I think, five couples that were having kids at the same time and so forth. That has nothing to do with anything, I suppose. So let's move to point three. Let's talk about why today, why. And I just really couldn't come up with a title with this, but here's what I did have. And I'm, I'm going to throw it out to you. And I think I can uh, develop this enough to... Uh, bring it to a point where you have a clearer understanding of what I feel like may, may be one of the most important phases that we're in right now as a person and as a church. Because guess what? We're in, a, we're in a phase. We see all these phases being thrown out at us. Guess what? The church is in a phase. God's got you in a phase. And he's trying to bring you to a certain point so that when we come out of this, we're not the same as when we came in. How many can say amen to that? I hope you're not. And that we're not just saying we've been holding on so we can go back to the way it used to be. Come on, I know that's been the phrase. I can't wait till it gets back to what it used to be like. But I, guess what? We're probably here because of the way it used to be. <laughs> okay, just saying. Just throwing it out. <laughs> so maybe God's trying to adjust something in the heart of his people and of his church. And I believe, I really believe that he is. And so he has a way of using everything uh, to do it. So I just put why... Are you chasing a conspiracy? Why are you chasing a conspiracy? I'd probably say, has anybody here heard of at least one conspiracy in the past six months? <laughs> we all have. <laughs> probably multitudes of them. And, and, and we find ourselves just kind of chasing those things and listening to them and following them and then trying to dig deeper into them and, and really find out about it as if somehow God was up in heaven looking at them too. But he's really not. He, remember, he laughs at the conspiracies of man. That's what the psalm says. The word conspiracy means a plot or a strategy. Remember, we read in Psalms 2, why do the heathen rage and why do they plot a vain thing against me? And we find ourselves, though, caught in this whole uh, arena of following these conspiracies. Now, granted, do I think there's things going on? Yeah, there's a, we live in a wicked world of people that want to take over and rule it. But guess what? They won't even succeed because the greater power has nothing to do with them. They're probably more puppets than what they realize. And the enemy is just using them. So the last thing you want to do is to follow too many conspiracies, okay? And so I want to, why do we follow conspiracies? And I want to talk about that for just a moment. Uh, and, and I want to see if we can't get to a place here that changes our perspective back to a centered, Christ-centered, Jesus-centered perspective that's going to lead us in the right direction so that when we get through, we're not at the wrong place. Has anybody ever had Google uh, lead you to the, Google Maps lead you to the wrong place? Or some maps that you have? You know, just sometimes it just takes you in circles, and I think that's what happened. The enemy would love to just keep you going in circles chasing different things. And there's nothing wrong with looking at those things. But please don't make it your priority. Let's make the priority God's purpose for us 
on planet earth. Let's pray. I think we really need to pray this morning. Father, I thank you this morning for everybody watching online. I pray in their house that their house is filled with the Holy Spirit. The word of God comes through, impacts our life. I pray for everyone here, Father, that, Lord, this morning our ears would be ready to hear. We'd be as ready listeners Father, for what you have to say to us, it's better to hear one word from you this morning than all the preaching that could take place this morning. So God, open up our ears. Help us have ears to hear what your Holy Spirit is saying to us and to your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. It's a very familiar verse, but I believe that it's, it's time for us as believers to maybe lean into this a little bit more than we have. Because it actually... Uh, mentions a conspiracy. It actually mentions a conspiracy because if I could put it this way, uh, God kind of has a conspiracy happening too. And you don't want to miss his. It's a good one. It's a good one. Romans 8, 28. We know this verse, but I, I don't want it to be so familiar that we don't really hear it this morning. And we know, we know, we know. We are not guessing this morning. We know, we know, we know. We're not in guesswork this morning. We have to know. Knowing has to do with an inner confidence that's been confirmed by the power of the Holy Spirit when it comes to the Word. God, I know this morning I'm not guessing about what I'm about to read here. I'm not just taking it lightly, but it's literally, it's becoming a part of my life, and it's literally moving me, it's fueling me, it's changing me inside. We know, for we know with great confidence that God, who is deeply concerned about us, causes all things to work together as a plan for good. I love that. Everything that your heavenly Father uh, has planned for you is always good. For those who what? Love God. And those who are called according to his plan and his purpose. So there's a, a, a prerequisite there. But I think hopefully we're all there. That we all love God. And that we're all pursuing his purpose and his plan. And his his conspiracy for our life. You know, it's so often that we, you know, we talk to people and, and, and oftentimes it's like, well, you know, they have no idea uh, the value of life that they are or what their life, how, how much value is in their life either. And it's just, you know, people just live that way sometimes. All they just, man, what value am I? I just want you to know your Heavenly Father sees you as a jewel and a treasure. And he looks at you and he always thinks good about you. And he's always ready to be there for you at all times. And, 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 and so he says, hey, everything, all these things work together as a plan for good to those who love God. All these things work together for the good. Now we say that a lot, we quote that a lot, but I wonder how deep it settles within us when we find ourselves in a crisis. When we find ourselves in a challenge, do we still believe that? Do we still look around out here today and say, well, all these things work together for the good? Well, wait a minute, God, come on. But, 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 but what about Joseph? I mean, really, was it for the good for Joseph to get thrown into a pit by his own brothers and, and then sold into slavery by his own brothers? And then put into the palace only to be thrown into the prison a couple times? Really, God? Come on. All things are going to work together for good? How can we believe that? 
How can your mind believe that? How can you let your mind process that to such a degree that you can now read Romans 8? All things work together for the good. I tell you, it's not just an easy thing to process. It's a, it's a quick thing to quote, but it's not an easy thing to really process. So I thought, well, let's just go and let's just see what Joseph has to say about it. Because the person that's in the middle of it would probably know the best. And let's hear his words here in Genesis chapter 50 and verse 19. And Joseph said to them, remember his brothers came. Finally, the famine hit the land. They, they, they were coming now and they were begging for food. Remember, somehow God got Joseph into the right place. Okay, so, so they get there. They're begging for food, and all of a sudden they recognize, <laughs> wow, this is the one we just threw in prison. And now they're freaking out, and they're worried, and they're thinking that he's going to have them killed also. They just don't know what to think. Surely he's not going to give them food, that's for sure. But let's, so let's hear his response. I think it's so amazing. Joseph said to them, don't be afraid, calm down. For I am in what? The place of God. But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about, as it is this day, to save many people's people alive. Wow, that's his own words. He learned a lot going through all of those things. And what he did learn was he needed to forgive, he needed to love, he needed to strategize, he needed to plan, and he needed to build. And that's exactly what he did. God gave him the plan and the strategy. And no matter what he was facing, no matter how many times they threw him in prison, he was still thinking about the plan. He still realized that God had a plan for him. And he followed it. And I wonder sometimes how often we maybe get thrown off of the course of God. Because we, we step up to follow God. We step up to do what God wants us to do. I know that's what he told me to do. Only to get there and find out that we don't get received. We don't get accepted. Something doesn't go right. Everything collapses. And, 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 and we get our hearts hurt. And we walk away from there discouraged and broke down and never really see the fruition or the fulfillment of that word. And I think, wow, God has a plan. And he really does work all things out for the good. Remember, never forget the sufferings of this life are but nothing compared to the glory in eternity. There's nothing. It won't even, you won't even remember it. You are not even going to remember it, I guarantee. What you will remember, though, is when you followed God, how amazing it ended up and how useful your life was when it was all said and done. And, and that's what you will remember. And it's an awesome thing. But we got to get to that place where we can do it. And, and so now we see we're in this current crisis I believe that God is trying to get our attention. History shows us that large-scale crises always have played a part in both shaking up the lost and reorienting the saved. Shaking up the lost, getting them to realize, man, I am on some pretty shaky sound ground. I've been building on that. I've been building my life on all this. I better think about who. Oftentimes it's God, isn't it? Oh, God, help me. There's a, there's a cry, but he's also trying to reshape and retool and re-impact, uh, re, re I believe, the believers. While we want out of these times, God's wanting in. 
He's wanting in, and he's trying to make that inroad. And if the church isn't prepared to do this, it's not going to happen. Because you and I are the ones that have the answer for what they're suffering. And the answer is Jesus Christ. It's not even food. It's not even a lack of being sick. It's Jesus Christ. Now, we're praying for, and we need to continue to pray for a removal of the curse of this virus. You need to pray against that. You need to get up and, and break it. But yet, there's something greater. So God's wanting in. And I, I thought about Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20, which you're familiar with. He's speaking. We use it as a salvation verse a lot, and it'll work for that. It'll apply for that. But the, it really is he's not speaking to the unsaved here. He's speaking to the church. It's the, of the seven churches in the book of Revelation. Uh, 3.20 says this here. Listen to this. Behold... I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I will dine with him and he with me. Now, this is a critical verse here. And, and my question for each one of us, and, and not in, a, in an aggressive way, but in a, in, a, in a way that we would probably stop and think about where we're really at with this. Behold, he's standing at the door He's knocking. He's talking to the believers. He's knocking on their door, and he says, if you'll just open it up, I will come in. So can I ask this question of us? When was the last time you heard him knock on the door and you let him in? Now, that sounds different for a lot of people. Sometimes it's just a small prompting or a quickening, or he calls you and says, hey, will you just stop for a moment? I want to talk to you, or and oftentimes, I find it's inconvenient with the time that he wants to do it. Anybody else with me on that one? It's like, really, God, I'm in the middle of this? Come on, can you just wait one hour? <laughs> Could you tarry one hour? You use, your, use the word on him whenever you do it, okay? <clears throat> and, 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 and he says, I'm knocking on the door. When was the last time you heard him knock on the door of your heart, and you literally stopped, and you opened the door, and you let him come in, and you begin to have this deep communion or conversation or communication or talk uh, with the Heavenly Father that wants to relate to you in a deeper way. And it can't happen only up here. He's knocking down here. He's not dunking up here. His whole goal has been to get past up here. How many would agree with that? You know, they say the longest 12 inches is right from your head to your heart. And, and we, we, we figure that God wants in and he wants to talk to us. And, 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 and it's time, I think, for the church to reposition ourselves, open the door, and begin to let him in more often. Begin to have those times with him where, where, uh, where he's actually, you're, you're hearing those promptings, you're, you're responding to those promptings. I find if you ignore the, the knock long enough, pretty soon you won't even hear it. And when you don't even hear the knocking of your heavenly father, can I just tell you, that's not a good place to be. I, I just don't feel him. If you're a believer and you can say today, I don't feel him, you should fall on your face right now and cry out to the living God. Because you've hardened your heart against him. He'll never harden against you. Amen? Come on, he's always there. He's always right there. You can't even understand how much he's there. You can't think down that road. But if you're not hearing the knocking anymore, can I just ask us to just, let's begin to, to really press in here and say, God, 
I want to hear the knocking again. I want to hear that still small voice. I want to have you stop me in the middle of my day. I want you to wake me up in the middle of the night. I want you to speak with me. I want you to talk with me. I can't go without that. And begin to have him come into our heart, open up the door. He says he'll come in. And if I'm not experiencing that, can I just tell you that's a problem? You're not an orphan anymore. And your father hasn't orphaned you. Come on, he loves you. And you just imagine if you have kids or had kids, how much it would be if your father never spoke to you your entire life. Come on, it's just bringing it down to earth. We can understand some of this because of our natural circumstances. Of course we wouldn't want that. And of course we wouldn't want to be distant. So what's really happening around us? Haggai chapter 2. Let's just read this verse here uh, quickly here this morning. According to the word that I covenanted with you. In other words, I shed blood. A covenant always had to do with shedding blood. According to the word that I coveted with you when you came out of Egypt, when you became born again, I had a covenant with you. And I cut that covenant with the blood of Jesus Christ to get you out of Egypt or to get you out of the unsafe state, bring you into salvation, bring you into the kingdom. I sent my son to shed the blood for that covenant. It's an amazing covenant, isn't it? And my spirit remains among you. Do not fear, for thus says the Lord of hosts, once more I will shake heaven and earth and the sea and the dry land and I will shake all the nations and they shall come to the desire of all nations and I will fill this temple with glory says the Lord of hosts the silver is mine and the gold is mine says the Lord of hosts the glory of this latter temple I believe that you are the temple of the Lord and he's saying to you the glory of the latter temple is going to be greater than the former temples says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give you peace, says the Lord of hosts. So he's coming to us, and I envision as I read that, I can just envision God's big hands grabbing the whole earth, you know. And, you know, he can, he can shake it up without making it get off the kilter of the axis and so forth so we all die instantly. But he's shaking the earth so that we can all feel the instability of whatever we've been building on. All of a sudden, now I know, whoa, that, I thought that was pretty solid. I thought I was building on the rock. I'm a good believer. I'm a pastor even. <laughs> so he shakes the whole thing. Everything he said is going to shake. But it's only so that I can catch and understand and see where I'm at. Because, boy, I tell you what, we can just get caught up in our own thing, can't we? And we can just get busy. And I believe right now where we're at, he's shaking the whole earth. I've seen a lot of things happen in my short little lifestyle or lifetime, but I've never seen it happen around the whole world at one time like we're seeing today. This is the most global I've ever th seen anything happen. It's absolutely crazy. I've never seen America shut down in two weeks either. It's absolutely crazy, but yet it's happening. There's a shaking going on. There's a shaking going on, and I, I don't want as a believer to totally miss it. So I want to just give us three quick things that I think God's doing through this that we can maybe take home and give some thought to uh, this week. And, and, and as you're seeking God and as you're spending some time with God, some extra time with God, uh, that he would begin to speak to you through these three areas. The first one 
is, <laughs> what should I be doing at this time? What should I be doing at this time? The first one is acknowledge that God is refining and retooling his disciples or his followers. So God's refining us. Remember, he, through every crisis and circumstance, wants to do something to his people. And, and, and I will say this carefully, but oftentimes I think the world ends up where it's at because his church is, just kind of gets distracted and we give up. And we're not really being the church of the living God that he wants us to be, especially in this day. Acknowledge that God is refining us and that it's for every single one of us. I want to, I want to include you this morning in this. It's, it's, he wants to shape you this morning. He doesn't want you to walk away this morning thinking that's good for somebody else. Or that's just the pastor's rant. Okay? It's not. It's not. It's the word of God. And I'll tell you what Philippians says about it in verse chapter 1 and verse 6. It says, I am convinced. This is Paul. And I'm, I'm confident of this very thing. He who has begun a good work in you will continue to perfect and complete it until the day of Jesus Christ or the day of his return. So what's going on in this place, in this, in this time, in your day, is so that he can continue to perform the work that he's already put inside of you. He's already perfected you on the inside, but how many know it hasn't made it on the outside with all of us? Okay, that's what he wants to happen though, right? Because doesn't he want to show the world, manifest the sons of God? He, he's doing something. Well, what if I quit letting that happen? What if I'm just confident that, oh, I know it's in there. Oh, it's in there. Oh, yeah, it's in there. Nope, I'm the righteousness of God. Don't judge. Don't judge me. You know what I mean? Well, that all sounds great, but let me just tell you, God doesn't want it to stay inside. He wants it to get out. He wants you to live it out. He wants you to walk it out. He wants all of us to. I'm convinced and confident of this very thing that he's begun, he's begun a good work. So whatever he started in you, let this shaking time work it out of you. Number two, I need to believe that God is doing a new work. I said earlier, I don't want to say, let's just, I can't wait till it gets back to the good old days, the good old normal. I don't think that's good. I think he has so much more in mind for his people, for his church, that eye has not seen and ear has not heard what God's going to do. It is going to be totally amazing. And he wants his church to come out of this crisis with a greater understanding of that than ever before. So that we go out with power, right? Isn't that, isn't that how they started in the book of Acts? They had power. They came out and they were filled with power. How did we lose the power? Is God running out? He isn't, is he? He's just having a struggle getting it through us. But he's bringing us back to that point because we're all being shaken through this. I don't want to go back to the old way. Again, that might be why we are where we are. So here's his instructions to us, okay? Out of Isaiah chapter 43 and verse 18. Do not remember those former things or ponder the things of the past. How many remember a New Testament scripture that's similar to that? Remember the Apostle Paul said, hey, I don't keep looking back, but I'm pressing forward. I want us to press forward. He wants you to press forward. Don't just get through this thing. Verse 19. See, look, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. 
Do you not perceive it? Who is missing it here today? Do you not get it? Don't you understand it? So the prophet's really challenging all of us up here. He's saying, God, I'm doing a new thing. Don't you see it? Can't you perceive it? And I like the word perceive because it has to do with the Holy Spirit's work inside of us. It's a perception. It's a perceiving. It's a, maybe, say, maybe you'd call it, it's a knowing in my knower that what's really happening from God's perspective. Because don't ever forget, the prayer you learned to pray first as a believer should have been in Matthew, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Look up, your salvation's coming down. It's drawing near. God's doing something that he's bringing down from heaven into earth. And, and, and it's to be already in you. Because he said the kingdom he puts in us See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I, and I like this part here. I am making a way in the wilderness and he streams in the wasteland. What's he saying there? He's saying, yep, you're in the desert. Yep, it's a wasteland out there. But guess what? I'm going to make a river in that place for you. I'm going to provide for you. You don't have to worry. Uh, sometimes we're probably not desperate enough to need the raven to bring us food like Elijah. But maybe we need to get there to where we say, God, you are my provider. You really are my provider. I really believe that. I'm not going to worry about the provision thing. You are my provider. And, and, and we allow the Holy Spirit to come. This is a, uh, a pretty familiar uh, phrase. In order to go where we've never been, we have to do something we've never done. Now, we go where we've never been, we're going to have to do something that we've never done. Now, I want to ask us this morning, what are we preparing ourselves to do that we've never done? So that we don't go back to the old. I don't think any of us necessarily want to go there. We might want relief from where we're in right now. <laughs> okay? But I think when it's all said and done, we don't want to go back to the old. If we want to grow into an ever-increasing closer walk with him, we're going to have to allow God to lead us in the to places that we've never been before. And I, and I might just throw that out to you in prayer. In your prayer times at home, um, you know, I, what I've found in prayer, i just, just kind of a little bit of a side note here, but what I've learned in prayer is that when I'm impatient about it, <laughs> or when I want God to hurry up, because I've given him a time limit that I wasn't willing to get up earlier to make longer, that he just kind of sits there silent. <laughs> I don't know about you, but he's just silent, <laughs> you know, because I'm trying to put my restrictions on him. And he's saying, no, you know, I want to do more than even just talk to you. I want to download into you the virtue from heaven that will make the difference in your life. I want to download the power of God inside of you that you're going to need when you go out there. To, I want to I re, return you to the authority that I've given you. Remember the, the thing in the garden. Subdue the earth. Take authority. Don't be ruled over by it. I want to put that into you. But see, it's not coming from me. It's coming from him. And, and it's not just a quoted thing. I wish it was or we'd be there, right? And so in your prayer time, are you taking time? Are you waiting long enough for him, and when you don't feel him and sense his presence and enter into that place, would you wait a little bit longer? Would you, would you, 
Would you anticipate him to come and be with you in this prayer time? Does that make sense, you guys? I mean, I've been there. I've been impatient with prayer and get nowhere. <laughs> and sometimes I've prayed for 20 minutes only to finally stop and feel like, God, <laughs> you weren't even listening, were you? And, and, and his response was, no. No, you just started jabbering on. I wasn't listening. You just started jabbering on. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and have you ever talked to somebody that all they cared about is themselves? And man, they just talked about themselves and talked about themselves talked about themselves. And then, oh, I got to go. Bye. That's what we do to God sometimes. And we just kind of don't wait for that presence. And I'm just saying, we're in a new day and we need a new power. We need a new presence. And the world needs a new power and a new presence of God around them so that they can come to him. So do we believe that God is doing this new work? And, and, and moving forward, the third thing, and just I'll wrap up with this this morning, is where do we need to be doing right now? I believe we need to be surrendering to him like never before. We need to surrender to him like never before. I need to quit trying to resolve what it's all going to look like out there. He's got it under control. He's got us running with this thing. But now it's time for me to surrender to him. Allow God to go deeper inside of you than what he's doing inside you, inside of you. Allow him to strip some things away in your life. I don't need to point those out to you. I think you probably would already know if you'll stop and listen. Allow him to refine you. Allow him to go after some things that uh, you've been holding off on. And you just need to say, God, you have been speaking to me about this a long time. And I'm still letting it be there. I've done really good over here. I'm, I'm working harder over here, trying this over here. You know what I'm saying? We do that. We say, well, I'll do this, God. And then he's sitting back waiting for you to do what really needs to be done. There's a refining work. There's a refining fire that he has to go on because never forget this. God's a holy God. He's always been holy. He never compromises his holiness. It's only by the grace of God that we're all still alive here. <laughs> because of that holiness, especially when we begin to worship him and he comes into our presence and so forth, he spares us. Jesus spares you so that you might enter that presence. Why? Because you're changed from glory to glory. He's transforming us. Isaiah 30 and verse 21. Your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right hand and whenever you turn to the left, you're going to hear the voice. It's time for probably that voice recognition to bump up. How do we hear God's voice? How is he speaking to me today? Do I even hear him? Or am I just going along every day and just going on, happy that he's my savior? I, I, I put down here, you know, that I think there's probably far too many people that are happy just to have fire insurance. Jesus is going to keep me from going to hell. And granted, he will. And he can, but you know there's so much more for you. He's made you so beautiful. He's made you so incredible. He's made you with such a purpose that will end up ultimately displaying his glory that eye has not seen and ear has not heard. But man, if I'm not tapping into it, 
if I'm not meeting with my father, if I'm not talking with him and hearing from him and being inspired by him and, and being filled by him and being overflowing by him, then I will totally miss it. I'll just keep walking through everyday life. Oh, I'm going to go to heaven. I got my fire insurance. But guess what? Can I just encourage you? You will not want to just be there. It's so much more exciting to get into the will of God for your life. And we're way past the phase of us saying, oh, that's for the pastor to do. Come on, I'm glad we're past that. Come on, we're past that, right? Come on, I mean, people thought that for a long time. I, 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 they have. They just thought, oh, yeah, the pastor does that. He, oh, yeah, the pastor will pray. Oh, yeah, I'll call the pastor for you. No, you're in the priesthood of believers. You're part of the whole thing that God's doing. I'm not higher than you. There's no pastor that's any higher than anybody in this room. Maybe lower. Or we should be. We humble ourselves before the Lord. But you're just as powerful. And so I guess my hugest challenge today, he's standing, I believe, at the door and knocking. And will you hear him and will you open the door and will you let him in? Will you begin a communion with the Father? Maybe you've never had it like that before. I guarantee, just find a place, put on a little bit of worship music and give him some time and I guarantee you'll hear his voice. He understands how critical this is for your life and for your livelihood is that you hear him. Now, the, 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 the ten virgins thing wasn't put there, I suppose, to scare hell out of us, but it kind of should. You know, there were ten of them, and they were virgins, so they were probably all believers, but it says that five of them were totally unready. And when they ran off to try to get ready, the other five went in. And whatever that means... Whatever that means, I think it's important for us to understand. I know, I'm giving rocket science today. But none of it really is, is it? It's just, do I read that and really take a hold of that? And do I really let it change me and move me and change my actions, rearrange my priorities and rearrange who I am, which is what we started with. How do I get Jesus to be the center again? Would you just bow your heads for a moment? I just think you need to build your altar right now before the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit maybe just drive a couple things into your heart real quick here. Uh, just ask him right now. If you heard what I'm saying, if you hear what the Holy Spirit is saying, just ask him to, to help you with it. He wants to refine you. He wants to put you in tune. I want you to hear his voice. Remember, John says that. I, I, my sheep always hear my voice. Father, I thank you this morning that your word 
says, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me. You want to anoint each and every person in this room, I believe, with your Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit will bring each of us to a new level that we might come into a, just a greater alignment, God, in this day and this hour. We would not be caught up in everybody else's conspiracies, but we would be caught up in your plan, caught up in your purpose. And God, we're seeing you move on the earth, and we believe, God, that the outcome is, is going to be amazing. We don't understand it yet, but God, you said your kingdom was coming. Your kingdom is beautiful, <laughs> and it's full of peace and joy and righteousness, and it's coming. And however you're going to do it, Father, we, we just don't question that, but we do look toward that. And I pray for every person in this room to, Lord, be stirred up today to a fresh level of seeking your face and knowing you, God, because, Lord, we love you and we want to follow you. I pray for anybody listening online and in this room, if they haven't accepted Jesus Christ, as their Lord and Savior, that this would be the day that they hear the, the knocking of the Holy Spirit on their heart. The knocking, just that knock. And they would respond to it with a, yes, Jesus, come in, be the Lord of my life. Change me, transform me. Thank you, Father, for that. In Jesus' name.